Hey, Warriors, this is Amy. And I'm Sarah. We are the hosts of The Unqualified Therapist. We are not here to give you advice. We are here to tell you our stories, share your stories, and bring on the professionals from time to time. Mental health is complicated, and we know that from our personal experience. We believe in professional therapy. Both Sarah and I use that on our own healing journeys. But we also know it isn't one size fits all. The stigma surrounding mental illness can make us feel alone. We are not alone. You are not alone. And you're listening to The Unqualified Therapist Sync. live on camera right. live so i was like oh you fix my hair live from pittsburgh it's sunday night <sighs> it's rainy and cold imagine that oh my god it feels like february here it was in the 30s and it's yes it's freezing 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 i almost got my winter coat back out and then i was like nope can't do it yeah, it was like, spring is here. Just kidding. Winter number two. Seriously. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm going to try to not pop. <laughs> All right. You ready? I am ready. <clears throat> I thought we were already going. So. Every time you think that. But it doesn't start until I say, thanks for joining us again. <laughs> Welcome back to another week of the Unqualified Therapist Inc. Ink, 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 ink. Um, bleh. <laughs> <laughs> bleh. You better cut that. That's a good, I don't know. That's a really good way to kind of describe the weather outside. Yeah. Bleh. Oh, the weather outside is bleh. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, gosh. Yeah, there's that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. Well, it's. Can we talk about laughing? It's, actually? Janu- it's January. 20,000th yeah. today here January 178. Mm-hmm. Um, Are we going to talk about our ridiculous laughs? Yes! I was like, can we talk about laughing for a second? The Muttley thing was great. Second. Mm-hmm. Why were we laughing like that? It was both of us, too. It wasn't even just you. She just took a drink and now she's going to spit it everywhere. It was both of us. <laughs> yeah. And it was like this... <laughs> <laughs> I just did it. It's when I'm really laughing when I can't yeah, like hard. catch my breath. Yes. Well, I mean, because we're funny. That might be why. <laughs> uh, true story. True story. Full disclosure, we are taking in some... Mimosas. Mother's Day mimosas. Because oh, it's a Mother's Day and I'm a mother. <laughs> I've only had like three sips. I know. We're, so this is actually just me. Yeah. We're recording on Mother's Day. Um, and so, yeah, we deserve a mimosa at work. Uh, yeah. Because we're the boss. And exactly. We work for ourselves. Yeah. So mimosa it Cheers. up. Cheers. Woohoo. That was a good one. <laughs> that was a good clink. Hmm. Pause so, for sip. <laughs> pause for sip. Sarah has something to share. 
I think a lot of things, but there's something I, I want you to start with the thing you want to tell me, but you couldn't tell me until we got on air. I know. So I've been dying to talk to her, mm. even though whatever I want to talk to her about only occurred last night. <laughs> She's been dying. But I've been dying. <laughs> <laughs> it's been so long. Yeah. So, um, I was like, oh, at least it's Mother's Day, so we won't really get to talk much before you come over so that I wouldn't spill the beans. But I have been, I've asked Amy probably like five times in the past couple months the name of her medium. And she gave it to me every time, but I actually contacted her, reached out, and so I had an appointment last night <gasps> at 7 o'clock. Yes. You didn't. It's a Sarah's first. It's a Sarah's first. first. It's a Sarah's first. It's a Sarah's first. Yeah. <laughs> Sarah, that's so amazing. It was incredible. She's amazing. She's amazing. Like her details that she mm -hmm. gives you, it's mm -hmm. like, oh my God. There's no way. There's no right. possible way that she makes it up. Right. She's incredible. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Can you tell her you knew me. Okay. So no, I didn't. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, was asking her questions and stuff. And, um, no, I wasn't even asking her questions. She was asking me questions. Okay. She's like, does this make sense to you? Does it, this make sense? Mm -hmm. You know? And she's like, is there something going on in your house that's different than what like used to be? And I was like, thinking for a second, like, yeah, but I wonder if that's what it is. You know, yeah. I was like, well, you know, my best friend and I are recording a podcast yeah. in there. And she's like, I think that's it. She's like, I can see your dad with a magnifying glass watching what you're doing really just, intently. Just, oh my God. And I was like, that makes sense because he was in radio for 45 years. And I kind of feel like I'm like carrying oh on a little bit God. of his legacy with that. And so, um, it just made me feel really good. Wow. And she's like, he has been watching and been right there with you guys and oh like watching over you. And then she's like, wait a minute, hold on. Have you been having troubles with like electronically? <gasps> what? And I was like, uh, yeah. She's like, that's him. He's been messing with you. Dad. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Because we even said, Dad, yeah, come on. I know. Oh my God. It was him. He was messing with me because that's how he was. He was just like a jokester and he was always like pulling, pr I have like goosebumps on my face. I have, like, it's I, everywhere. I, have it, I have it on my cheek. Yeah. I have it all the way down. <laughs> everywhere. Oh my gosh. So if you guys only knew this level of struggle we've had electronically, you, you wouldn't, it's, it's insane. It's, it's completely insane. You can't explain it and anybody would believe it. Right. I mean, I've called Amy in tears yeah. at like midnight. We're like, we're just not putting a show. I know. I'm like, I don't know what to do. It's not <laughs> working. Yeah. Um, so yeah. yeah, I was like, could you tell him to stop that please? <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. So if you're here, daddy, I love you so, so much, but please stop messing with it. It's making my life so much harder. Instead, dad, you can just give us like shoves to go which way we're supposed to go. Yes. Now. Yes. Because that would be helpful. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. So that's just the part I wanted to share, but I do want to talk about my experience with everybody yes. and tell you guys, because it was, oh my gosh, it, I felt so much lighter and mm -hmm. I feel so much lighter. Did you get the recording? I did. Yeah. yeah. And I, because like, you know, we talk about healing and coping mechanisms mm -hmm. and things, and I've always wanted to see a medium 
and there was just something holding me back from doing it. I don't know what. Maybe you needed the right one. I think maybe that's what because it was. She's she's a fucking genius. Yeah, she has a gift, and yeah, she does have a gift. Uh, it's pretty incredible. Mm-hmm. So I mean, there was so much. There were so many things that she was telling me that I was just like, it. It made me feel so much better about situations that I've even talked about on here with my parents and he had like clarified some things and it was just, it was incredible. So I can't wait to do an episode to talk to you about it and and tell you all the things, but I do have one little quick like anecdote. Yeah. So she kept saying the first person who came forward, she's like, do you have a really excited grandma? And I was like, I mean, I have grandmas, Mm -hmm. but like neither of my grandmas were like real excitable. Yeah. Yeah. And she's like, no, this isn't, this is an older lady. And she's like, really, she's like waving her arms at me. Like I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. I, you know, I have things to say. Yeah. And I was like, well, it's probably my grandma on my maternal side. Um, cause my dad's mother was not a great person. There was not like much of a relationship mm-hmm. there. So, um, I'm like, it has to be my, my grandma. Um, my kids, like, she's like, your kids both met her. Right. And I said, yeah, she's like, cause she's referencing them. She's like, mm-hmm. um, so we're talking about that. And I'm like, this is, this is weird. She's, she said, I think she's referencing them because she's saying two, two, two. Mm-hmm. Do you have two kids? And I was like, yes, I do. But she even says like, sometimes she interprets things wrong. Mm-hmm. And sometimes like we, as the the receiver will think about it for a while and then be like, Oh, Way that's later. what that was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, then she's like, she's very, she's like a little ornery. And I was like, okay. And I'm thinking to myself, like, this does not sound like my grandma at all. Right. And as she's going on and saying all these things, she's like, she's funny. Oh, she's giving your dad a hard time. Like your dad wants to come forward and she's not letting him. And she's messing around with him, like joking with him. Mm -hmm. And she's like, you know, kind of making this face like this guy, you know, trying to come forward. Look at this. And so I'm like, like, that does not sound like my grandma. This is so weird. So, um, after the session, I'm like, that was the only thing that didn't make sense. I don't know what that was all about. So after the session, I go downstairs and I start talking to Randy. And the second I see Randy's face, I was like, I talked to your grandma Lee. I I was like, it was your grandma. Oh my God. Cause she was like real ornery and she was like always like pinching Randy's butt and like talking like she loved me. I only knew her for like a few months, but uh, before she passed, but like she was, that was her, like that was her personality to a T. And so two, I think was, she had two grandkids, Mark and Randy. Um, so yeah. It was That's really so cool. It was really cool. And he, he started crying, which he like never does. So Aww. he was so happy to hear that. Yeah. It is wild. The people that come through. Yeah. Um, sometimes they're people you would never expect. I know. Yeah. And I was so excited. I was like, is she like chilling with my dad and my brother? Yeah. Like, is she hanging out with them? That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So it was just, it was a really, so cool. your brother is with your dad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow they're together and they're like acting like a little posse up there apparently. Nice. Yeah. Nice. So they came forward on their own. Um, my dad did. My brother did not. Did you have to ask or, Mm -hmm. and then he did. And then he did. Yeah. Doesn't normally happen. She was like, let me, she's like, hold on and give me, you know, a minute. Mm -hmm. And you know, she's like said she was asking my dad kind Mm -hmm. of and like asking for, my brother and then he did come forward but he wasn't like real active for a while 
she's like, is it okay if I'm just giving you the messages as, as I'm getting them, no matter who they're coming from? And mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, absolutely. Just tell me everything. Yeah. And <clears throat> so she was, it was a lot of my dad first and then my brother. But I wonder if that was like still like the father son thing, like mm-hmm. respect the dad, let him go first. Yeah. I don't know. But it was wild. Uh, yeah, it is wild. It makes you have the perspective on life so differently. It makes you realize how small everything is down mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. And that's so helpful. Yeah. And it makes you realize that they know now mm-hmm. how small everything is here mm-hmm. and how it's like, they just, I don't know. I feel like when I do it, they, they wish that they could explain that to us. I know. And so that's hard to do. Yeah. But that's really great. Oh I'm my so gosh, happy it was for you. So amazing. I'm so happy. I've I've been thinking about it nonstop and I just I don't know. I was like, this is I wish I could do it every day. It went by so fast. Oh yeah. I was like no. I even did the ninety minutes the second time. Oh, it yeah. went by so fast. I need yeah. to do the ninety. If for it sure. was not and this is probably like she doesn't like to do multiple, multiple, mm-hmm. if, the, if she feels like you're using it as a crutch. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really hard not to like save up the money so I can just like talk to my husband. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, so, I mean, of course I want to do it again, but you know, yeah, the, I think she's going for closure right? when she has those meetings and I'm like, I still want this communication. And you're like, <laughs> I just want to. I got more to say. (laughs) I need you to tell me more things. Just have her on retainer every day. Honestly, seriously. End of the day. What happened today? I know. I know. (laughs) I have a psychic on retainer. Oh, Uh, yeah. So it was a really cool experience. So I just wanted to share with everybody. Oh, man. That's amazing. I'm so excited for you. That's wonderful. I can't wait to hear more. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, so how are you doing this week? Um, I'm good now. Mm-hmm. It was a really hard week. Mm-hmm. Continuance of the things that you wish I could tell you, but I couldn't tell you because <laughs> yeah. it's all like ridiculously confidential. Someday I'll tell you for now, for now. Yeah. <laughs> so I had an, a very, um, a moment of like serious pride in myself, So I had a meeting that I had to attend that I was very anxious about primarily because I had to make this choice of like be telling the truth and being able to live with it or like not rocking the boat. I guess that's a good way to put it, right? Yeah. Okay. So it's it's sad that not rocking the boat would be not telling the truth. I know. Yeah, I know. So I called a lot of people. Thursday, um, night before it. And one of them was, and this is when, you know, you have a good therapist. Mm -hmm. One of them was our therapist. Mm -hmm. And I talked to Heather. I'll cut it out. Okay. I'm going to start again. Mm -hmm. We're not allowed to say that. Mm -mm. So one of the people I called was my therapist. And this is how, you know, you've got a good one is when they, um, will talk to you at like nine o'clock at night. Mm -hmm. And she was appalled. Mm-hmm. would be putting it very, very kindly at what was occurring. Um, and then she, she backed up after her anger subsided a little bit and helped me like think through everything. And I will say, do you just text her? <laughs> no. Oh, I will though. Can we hear them up on here? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Pause. Okay. So I talked with my therapist um, at like nine o'clock on Thursday night and it was, I don't do that often. I don't think I've actually ever done that. Yeah. Never. I don't, I really try to respect people's time, but I was in a real situation. Um, and I didn't know what to do. And so after talking with her, her advice was do both. Mm -hmm. So tell the truth and then also do what you need to do to not be in trouble. And so, you know, I was like, I don't know if I can do this. And I had been weighing on me all week. Um, and so the, at the meeting, um, I don't know what came over me. I had no, I didn't cry and I didn't get angry. And I just was able to speak my truth and actually say like, this is it without causing it to ruffle feathers, Mm -hmm. which you all know, normally I could give two fucks about, Mm -hmm. but this particular situation at this moment in time, it's not a good idea. So I just felt like it was this like place of like weirdness where you, you have this place in the middle where you're, you're standing strong in your beliefs and in your truth, but still finding a way around, you know, pissing everybody off. Yeah. And I just think, I don't even know how I did it. It was one of those um, moments like we talk about when we teach booty where you're like, when it's over, you're like, what happened? Did that happen? Yeah. Like what in the hell was that? And the truth is, is that I didn't care the outcome. I really don't care because Mm -hmm. I think it's all nonsense. Mm -hmm. I wanted respectfully for someone to listen to your side, my side of the story Mm -hmm. and understand that I I understand that they don't understand. Right. And that's why, you know, we do what we do. Mm -hmm. So anyways, very long story short, I had just, I dealt with it in a way that I'd never really dealt with anything before of Hmm. that nature. Yeah. Um, I'm usually either like an ass kisser and I just go about it Yeah, or Mm -hmm. I blow it up. Yeah. Like that's the, that's what I've done in the past. Like one or the yeah, other. Right there with you. You know, like I, I do one <laughs> or the other and I don't like either of those. Sometimes I think blowing it up is necessary, but at the right time. And so that just didn't feel right. And so, yeah, I'm just, I was super proud of myself for being able to do both. I'm proud of you. Thank you. And major props to my therapist, the qualified one. Mm-hmm. It was just nice to have a third, like an outside perspective right. of someone who's not, she's not emotionally in it. Yes. invested in she, it. She, you know, she is enough emotionally invested to know that like things that are, um, not supporting mental health piss her off, mm-hmm. but not anywhere in my life. It was just an outside voice was so helpful. Yeah. And so, yeah. <laughs> Unlike me, I'm like. You know, eggs are real cheap. <laughs> Sarah's like, let's blow it up. Let's blow it up. Yeah. No. Like all metal style. I know. <laughs> well, I will. Uh, here's my, here's, here's a little confession. Not going to lie on the way in on Friday. I listened to all Rage Against the Machine. That's amazing. I mean, like. Rage gets me fired. I, I love, I love Rage so much. Um, so yeah, I mean. Oh, life is weird, but I know that I did exactly right by myself and the situation and mm-hmm. my family. And so I feel good about it. Mm-hmm. And again, I don't care what the outcome is. 
because maybe that's why you were able to do it like that. Maybe because you had, you had finally let go of yeah. like, cause that's, I mean, it, it's a thing. Like we have to feel like we're in control of what's going on in our lives and you can't control how someone reacts to you or how someone comes at you and mm-hmm. treats you. I mean, I've been told this like a thousand times growing up. You can only control how you react to right. that. So, right. But that's a hard thing to remember. It's a hard thing to remember, especially when there are people in power. Yeah. And so, and I'm, it's not an even playing field. Like I'm like mm-hmm. down here. Right. Right. So that's hard. And it's also hard because it's all wrapped up in money mm-hmm. and security. And mm-hmm. those things are things I'm still working on. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah. If it was like a relationship or a friendship, I probably would have just been like, peace out, sour mm-hmm. out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> totally fine with that. Mm-hmm. Peace out, sauerkraut. That, that You're goes, so 42. Oh, I was going to say that goes to my teammate, Tracy Klozik, because she um, says that all the time to the kids and I picked up on it. Oh and gosh. now I say it all the time. It's really cute. Mm-hmm. Like, it, like when they're like, doing something we're like Mm-mm. peace out sauerkraut <laughs> have you followed or seen the reels from um it's like fit dad co or something like that on instagram no. i'll have to find his handle he tells so many dad jokes oh and they're hilarious like i you know me though like i yeah. love a good nerdy really corny joke yeah and they're all that it's and they're like so a, funny it's like a good phil dumpy Yes. Mike Hilliard type joke. Yes. <laughs> you just are like, oh, wow. All right. <laughs> oh, those are my favorite. They get me, they make me so happy. Yeah. I wish I could remember what Mike said the other night. And I was like, oh, that was beautiful. I was like, bravo. <laughs> he loves that you get it and that you appreciate it because I don't. He's like, see, Stora gets it. <laughs> I don't know. That's not Mike's voice. I don't know why I just did that. <laughs> You know. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So anyways, did you have another, um, interesting, I mean, it's just like silly things, but <laughs> so there were these like little bully kids from, uh, another part of the neighborhood, like not near us. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I mean, it's near enough for them to walk obviously, sure. but they're not like in the like close knit part. Did you blow it up? I didn't. Oh, but our mutual friend who lives here did. And I don't oh. want to call her out because I don't want to. What? Yeah. And it was awesome. Oh, no, but it was awesome. So these little bully kids have, they've caused trouble before and they've gotten physical. Mm-hmm. And so they were like getting physical with one of the kids um, and like took him down to the ground and was like punching him and everything. That's awful. And at first, all of the rest of the kids were like, oh, they're, they're playing around. Yeah. Like, cause they know each other mm-hmm. from baseball and whatever. So they were like, oh, they're just playing around. They're messing around. And then we're like, oh, n- no, they're not. So said mutual friend comes out on her friend stoop and she was like, you better get out of here. I'm calling your mom right now. One of these kids is in first grade. The bully. Yes. Oh my God. And he's like bullying fifth graders and stuff because he's just that like that aggressive. Yeah. And so, yeah. So she's like yelling at him and, uh, (laughs) so the kid flips. other kids off not Mm -hmm. the adult not the adult Mm -hmm. flips the kids off so my son (laughs) in true vegan fashion 
turns around and starts twerking at him <laughs> and like shaking his ass and he's like oh yeah you like that oh and I was like no no, no. and he I was like it was almost if he could have said or thought to say he would have been like oh it's a dance fight you want you got it <laughs> come at him with like shimmies or something <laughs> oh no He's ridiculous. I don't know where he came from, but yeah. Are you? Yeah, I know. (laughs) I could see you just like in the middle of a fight, like just start twerking your ass. Yeah. 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 Get it. (laughs) You wish you had this, but you wish you could move like this. Oh man. Wow. That's some excitement. So it was just funny. I just thought it was hilarious because he's just, he's his own kid. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Avery got a big doll like big floppy comfy cozy like snuggly woody from the toy story (laughs) and because mike went shopping for my mother's day gift which sarah gave him the idea and it's the most amazing epic thing in the world i now have bedroom (laughs) coffee i just roll over (laughs) and i just push a button yeah and that shit just happens it's amazing and it was it was one of the best gifts I've ever gotten. So it made me so happy. But when they were at Target, of course he like bought Lily something and then picked up some stuff for the, for Brady and for Avery. Whoa. I just ate the mic. That was weird. <laughs> and I swear to God, it ran into me. <laughs> that sucker came out of nowhere. That sucker came out of nowhere. Dad, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I swear he just pushed in my face, but okay. He may have. <laughs> so it, it's, it's this, it's, he's so cute. And, um, and he was running around cause now my son thinks it's cool to FaceTime everyone. So he calls everybody that he can think of <laughs> and he was showing them, um, his new doll and he's like, look, look, Mike got me a really big Woody. <laughs> like not once, not twice, but like said it three times. <laughs> Mike is in the background, like waving his hands. No, no, no. And it wasn't like he wasn't catching on at all. So he's like, yeah, it's a really big Woody. I have a big Woody from Mike. And then Avery's like, now I have like four or five Woody's. And I was like, oh, words. You're so funny. So, oh my gosh, yeah. that is hilarious. Yeah, yeah, I gotta be careful. <laughs> Hopefully he doesn't go to school tomorrow and he's like, Mike, got, got me, me a big woody. woody. And there's a snake in my boot. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I shouldn't have taken it there. That was bad. That was perfection. <laughs> What are you talking about? That was perfection. Um, okay. So I do have quite a, um, episode that is not funny at all. Oh today, my God. I but know. I do. And I was going to skip this, but it's too good to skip. So, and I'm going to give you the very shortened version. I was out last night with my friend Kate for her birthday. Mm-hmm. We walk into the saloon in Mount Lebanon. Yeah. Which now it's back to like bar days. It's weird. Like, you know, you can stand up and yeah. have a drink and immediately we walk in and I go, Oh, and I just point to this person and Kate's like, what is it? What is it? And I'm like, 
it's it's the guy it's the guy from bakersfield you guys it's the guy that i talked about on the podcast who came over and told her like how hot she was and how much he like <gasps> loved her and then he looked at me and he was like you're hot too Oh my god. It was him. I'm not kidding you. (laughs) What are the chances? Um, in time of COVID, we see him on the south side. Now we see him in Mount Lebanon. Yeah. So I was like, Oh my God. I was like, we know you. And so I'm like, you know, anyways, for a little while it worked because we were able to get two seats at the bar and whatever. But then I said to one of his friends, I was like, well, do you want to hear a funny story about your boy? Mm-hmm. Um, Dave is his name. And I said, yeah, he was the topic of one <laughs> at the beginning of our podcast. And so he comes over. He's like, what are you talking about? <clears throat> and I was like, and they were like, you have a podcast. And I was like telling him about it. And then he was like, but wait, why would you talk about me? And I said, I told him the story and he was like, that's not what I meant. <laughs> that's not what I meant. And he was deeply offended. And he looks at me. Like I am, this goes to everything we've been talking about. Yeah. I am not shitting you. He looks at me and he goes, I mean, I would fuck you right now. Oh my God. I was like, what? you missed the point, asshole. You missed the point. I was just like, see, this is it. And oh. then like two seconds later, I texted Mike and I'm like, I'm so glad to be out of this situation. <laughs> right? Oh my God. Like horrible, horrible, horrendous. Oh. I just couldn't believe he said that. Cause like. You missed the point of what I was saying. And, you know, like, that doesn't make me feel any better whatsoever. No, and that's not what... And I wasn't really even upset that you said what you said. It's just hilarious, man, because you, like, were, like, the topic of my conversation. Mm -hmm. Not in a good way. (laughs) He was very offended because he was like, but I'm not going to say it again because it was pretty obscene. But, you know, yeah, just like he just busted that out. Like men with the what? whole thinking that that's what that was we so, want that to was hear. So ballsy. I was like, oh, I was like, am mm. I supposed to feel like good about myself now? <laughs> am I supposed to feel better? Like, am I supposed to be like, okay, let's go yeah, right here? <laughs> Why not? COVID's <laughs> over. Like, I don't know what he wanted me to do. I was right. just like, what? <laughs> I don't know. I was like, God, I'm just too old for this shit. Mm-hmm. Oh man. So anyways, that was, um, that was my, my second meeting. How weird is that? That is so That's random. Really random. And geographically, those places are not close together no. either. Mm-mm. So random. Yeah. Oh, boy. So people be nice. Yeah. Just be nice. Don't tell people you want to F them. Right. It's not a good look. No. Not going to get you to prove something. Yeah. To prove that what you were saying wasn't offensive. To prove that I think you're pretty <laughs> enough to yeah. blank. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, that just, oh, yes, oh, terrible. Yuck, Dave. Yuck. You yuck. <laughs> so we want to kind of go back to what we talked about a million other times is that if you guys could please like and subscribe wherever you're listening. Yeah, yes. It would really help us out. Um, we have, I think, like 26 ratings or something on iTunes, mm-hmm. and I would love to double that this week. That would be amazing. Mm-hmm. All you have to go in is just, you know, hit on the stars of how, what you think about us, and that considers it a rating. Uh, if you want to write a review, that would be even better. Um, but we'll take anything. So give us some love on whatever you're listening on. I don't think you can give love on Spotify. Mm-mm, you can't, right? So even, Which is so weird. Even, it's like one of the top places. I know. Maybe just go into podcast or Podbean. I mean, Apple Podcast. Um, 
and just give it some love, even if you don't listen to it there. Yeah. And whatever you get your podcasts on, you can follow us. Yes. Subscribe and follow. follow. Yeah. Following button. And we're now on YouTube. Hi. Hi. We're waving to the people that are watching us. Because it's unedited. (laughs) Yes. So you get to see us and our crazy faces and expressions that we make. And yeah, I'm losing my voice for some reason (coughs) from laughing too much. Like Motley. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> oh man alright we ready oh well that's I mean that's up to you are you ready I know Sarah had her very challenging episode and this is going to be mine yeah I'm ready because I feel like it's a really important time to do it and I also um think I have to do it you know what I mean like I had to like that, is that how you felt like you just had to be, had to, yes. had to be mm-hmm. done with it like I had to do it and I'm not doing it just to get done with it I just um I feel like I'm, I need just to, to tell the story. story yeah Ooh, that was interesting mm-hmm. so this week um we'll be coming up on two years of um Scott's death and I mean you can go back and forth of whether it was the 12th or the 13th it was like I think at one in the morning. I forget how the time goes. Cause it was, it was, different time it, was zone in, too. it was in Phoenix. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So it was still one, one, uh, I think it was still, I don't know. I don't remember which way it went. Yeah. It doesn't I, really it's matter. Confusing. I just think that it's, you know, it's hard to pinpoint. I mean, I found out on the 13th and, um, regardless, I find it to be a really challenging, um, time for me. So, and I always found it to be interesting that it was in mental health awareness month. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to tell a little bit about bipolar disorder, a little bit about Scott, obviously not everything because that would take a million years. And then you can just read my book for that. Yeah. (laughs) So I was just going to give you guys some statistics that I had looked up uh, about bipolar as well as suicide. So, um, Death by suicide is the 10th leading cause of death, which I think is just wild. It is wild. Because that's pretty, like, high up there. It is. Or low. You know what I mean? Like, that's right, just that's right. a lot of people. So 130 Americans die by suicide each day. Every day. Every day. 130. Um, so bipolar, according to psychology today, is considered the deadliest of all mental illnesses. Scott and I knew that. And that was probably a big part of the stress of, of having it and living with it. So, um, bipolar disorder, you either have bipolar one or bipolar two. Sometimes I didn't know there were two. Yeah. Sometimes it's hard to decipher. I think that Scott had a hard time deciphering, but I would say from my perspective, he was, um, bipolar one because bipolar two, you never go fully manic. You just a rapid cycling. Oh, and while he did rapid cycle, um, explain that a little bit. So that would be like, I don't understand. That would be like, um, he's really high uh-huh. Monday and then really low Tuesday. Oh, so it, really high and then really low. Yeah. Um, and you can be hypomanic too, which you're not going to like have like all of this the symptoms of a manic episode, like full blown manic episode. And, um, the mania and the depressive are just as deadly depending upon which way you go. And for me, 
I think they both were scary. The only reason that the depression side of it was better was he was home and he slept for days and days. And at least I knew where he was. Yeah. So the manic side is, um, unpredictable and hardly ever able to track the person down. Right. So they're gone. So that's bipolar one. And so it, the manic episodes can last at least seven days and then they can be so severe that you would need hospital care. And then the depressive episodes would be two weeks. So we were pretty cyclical, cyclical with the seasons. Mm-hmm. So May, <clears throat> June, July were, were, were pretty hard months. And then August was always, always a hard time because I, I was going, I was that. going back to work yeah. and me not being around was a trigger. Mm-hmm. So, you know, being that it was May, um, you would think that spring would be a time of like happiness or whatever, or mm-hmm. summer, but it really just, it's just a very easy time to become manic and like a full blown mania. I wonder why. Is it because things are like awakening back mm-hmm. up so that you get kind of excited? Yeah. It excites them. Like it's exciting to, well, at least, I mean, I can only speak for Scott. It's exciting to like be outside again right. and, and the people are out and you can be more social and you do more things and, you know, they get fed by that social stimulation. Okay. And so, um, 20% of all people who have bipolar disorder will die by suicide. 20%. 20%. And then wow. 20 to 60% will attempt suicide. <sighs> so that is that why it's the deadliest? Yeah. But it's also the medication, right? He <clears throat> was going to die from the medication, but not yet. We knew that his kidneys were like failing and he had some other horrible side effects, but he had to choose, you know, which way he wanted to go. Um, so no, the medication is, is not very good either. It really does hurt your body, but yeah. that's not normally what people die from. Right. I think that's not what they're talking about. It's hard to keep someone who has bipolar disorder on medication. Yeah. When you're manic, you feel like you are like everything, like smarter than everyone, more, you know, brilliant and yeah, you don't need sleep. He would tell me that every time, like, I just realized I don't need sleep anymore, you know, and And that affects your mind. Exactly. So then a lot of times it would be after days of no sleeping that these big events would happen. So, because it's just, you know, it's It's like a state of delirium. Exactly. And you're in psychosis. It pushes you right into psychosis. So you don't know what's real and what's not Mm -hmm. real. And you also don't know who to trust and who not to trust. So you don't trust anyone. So everyone's like evil and out to get you and all of these things. So I don't think I realized that there was like, um, paranoia associated. Oh yeah. Too. And that's the scariest and the worst part, in my opinion. Yeah. Because there's no talking someone out of the fact that someone is, you know, out to get them or spying on them Mm -hmm. or in their phone or in their eyeglasses. Yeah. Um, It's really, really hard to... um, to explain that to someone. And when they're in this stage of mania, they can, um, it's like they, the grandiose thoughts will, will, and I'm just trying to think of like a a specific example. So a specific example would be, he was creating a game 
-hmm. He was in Market Square for like three days, which is like in Pittsburgh here. Like he just never came home. I don't know how, where he slept or if he slept, but he was down there creating this game, like a board like outside game. in the, in Market Square, mm -hmm. like out of like garbage pieces and stuff. And like in his brain though, it made complete sense. Yeah. And he was going to sell it and he was going to, you know, it was brilliant. And I'm sure so much of it was brilliant, but when a person who's not manic looks at it and just like, looks like a pile of garbage, it's mm -hmm. like the, the hardest conversation to have. And you, you know, cause you're like, I don't, I, I don't know how to explain to you that like you, this is not what you're seeing. What you're seeing is not what's reality. Um, but so the sense of reality is out there. Yeah. So what did doctors recommend that you try to talk them like into the reality part or that you go along with what they're saying? I wouldn't know how to handle that. So since writing the book, I'm realizing kind of the timeline of things. And honestly, things were not, they were the worst in the past I don't know, like the last six years of our marriage, right? Five years, maybe. Yeah. Five, four, it could have been even less. That was where like we started hitting manic episodes. But, um, how do you handle that? The way that his psychiatrist and I decided to do it. And when he was himself, he agreed to it is that I was just going to give him a tranquilizer and have him pass out oh. for like days. That was the plan. But getting it in him was really hard once he hit that moment. So, him and I had a running joke that he was going to get a tattoo. Mm -hmm. Um, like, you know, in, um, memento, I, I didn't see have it. Seen it. I did once. Okay. Well, like, you know, how he has to write it in Sharpie. I okay. don't remember. So, so <laughs> we were like, he was going to get a tattoo on his hand that said like, trust her or listen to her. Oh yeah. Like I remember now that you're saying that. Yes. So that, when we came to that moment, mm -hmm. he would, cause then once he left us, he thought I was trying to kill him or he thought like I was with the bad people or, yeah. and I was just like, no, I just need you to sleep. Cause he, if he slept, he would be fine. He'd wake up and like probably go through some depression and that would be horrible, but it would be so much more manageable. Um, so the thing with mania is very few people are able to, and like Scott just dreamed of being able to channel it. Um, I think of like some comedians and some Saturday night live folks all died early, but they were able to channel it long enough to get famous. And the running joke was, um, if he had not met me or if I had not pursued him so damn hard, which I'm learning, chase that boy down. <laughs> he, I, we, we both said he would be, he would have been on Saturday night live and dead. Like, within five years. You know what I mean? Like he would yeah. have made it big. Yeah. He had so much talent, um, intellectually and comedically and just fucking just brilliant. Um, but, but a lot of the medication stops that, mm -hmm. you know, the rules of the way we have to live now stop that. Right. You know, you can't be out late at a comedy club because you need to sleep or else it's going to trigger you into a episode, you know? Right. So I feel like I just talked in a circle. I don't even know what I was saying. No, you're, you're, am I, I mean, I'm just like, I'm not really following anything that I planned on talking about, which is hilarious. It's okay though. Um, I mean, tell what's coming to you. Yeah. Like so I, I think that, 
I think that people, I also asked you a question. So that's that was okay. <laughs> ask away, ask away. Um, <clears throat> just wonder if you take your meds, will you be okay? And the answer is no. Even like, even if you're consistent with them, some people it is, it works well. Yeah. But you have to have a lot of right things. So you have to have no need to make money. Like you cannot have the stress of money. I see. You don't, you can't work. Mm -hmm. Um, you really can't have a whole lot of responsibility. Mm -hmm. And those sort of things are not, you know, for everyone. And think about the homeless population. Half of them are out there because they have bipolar disorder or they're schizophrenic. Mm -hmm. Because you just can't, it's impossible to play by the rules and not go into an episode. Yeah. It triggers you right there. So I think that it's possible. Some people might have milder cases that the medicine works, but I mean, we were on a regiment where he would show me, like we would take them together in the morning, you know what I mean? Like he would show me. And so I knew he took them. So how in the hell it didn't work. Mm. But then we also used to say like, well, how much worse would it be if you didn't take them? Yeah, that's true. So, uh, you know, I mean, it's unfortunate that, and they also, like I said, they were hurting him. Yeah. His kidneys were like failing. His liver was failing. Like, and he had the shakes, like he had palsy. That's terrible. Yeah. So it just, it wasn't, I I don't know. And I'm bring that's going to like bring me to what, um, what I wanted to talk about was that I, I think that people who think about suicide find it to be a selfish act. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't think that at all. Right. Have I been angry at him and cried mm-hmm. and yelled? Like, how could you do this to me? Like, I th- don't know what the fuck to do anymore. Like, I can't live without you. And I can't raise these kids. Like, all of these things. Yes, I've had those fit of rages. But I think it was, you know, he knew the medicine wasn't working. Yeah. He had just put himself in a 30 day treatment program in Santa Fe mm-hmm. and it didn't like it worked, but not it, for long. it didn't change his life. He still came out and still made the same mistakes. Oh, you know what I mean? Like still was like going back into the places of, you know, grandiosity or darkness or whichever direction, you know, it goes that causes him to make bad choices. Yeah. And it just, he kept, it just kept going to him having nothing like over and over and over again. Yeah. And, um, I don't think he felt at that time that he was going to make our lives any better by being in them. Yeah. Because he was so sick. Mm -hmm. And I, I, you know, I think that it's funny. I can hear Avery as we're I know. <laughs> Cutie pie. I know. Um, I think he just, his brain, every time you have a manic episode, your brain fractures. And so once you keep having them, like your brain actually fractures like the tissue. Yeah. In like you break. So he was so broken and you know, somebody probably can come on here and tell me this isn't true. This is something that my therapist actually told me is that, so maybe it's true. Maybe it's not, but I mean, I'm just taking it from a qualified therapist, right? Um, not the one I have now, a different one, but she was telling me that 
because her main work was with bipolar patients and every time you have a manic episode it really jacks your brain like it messes you up to the point where like I think of it as like a puzzle and then it's like so separated it's not nothing's making sense anymore Mm. and um strange just like takes away a puzzle piece every time or they move further apart Mm. okay you know yeah and when I asked the medium when I said Mm -hmm. what I already knew what happened at the end he described to her a broken brain Mm. and he described it like being like unrepairable and all like confused and um, scattered and like just most, I think he kept saying confused. Mm -hmm. And um, so I think that, I don't know. I don't blame him at all. Right. Like not one bit. Um, No. We miss him every single day, but I don't blame him because I don't have to live in that brain. Right. When I have my depression spikes, when my anxiety spikes, luckily I'm out of it within like 24 to 48 hours. Yeah. Like right now I'm thinking completely straight. Mm-hmm. When I'm there, it's bad. And yeah. I can't imagine living there every day. All the time. Trying to accomplish things that you just can't. Um, she also described to me that he was telling her that like, you know, and I've probably talked about this in, in my medium episode, but climbing a hill. Yes. And that he could not get to the top every time he would take a step. He got pushed all the way back down. And that's just what the illness does. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, I don't want to. And this is like the, the the story I want to tell in the book as well as I would never do it differently. Like, I don't feel like um, I wouldn't try we wouldn't both try because I shouldn't say I we both did try to um make him well enough to exist yeah and that was like a full-time job right even though it didn't work out so those of you out there if you have that diagnosis or friends with that diagnosis or your spouses I'm not saying that it's impossible I'm saying that my goal in life is going to be to figure out how to support you right because I didn't have that. Yeah. Um, I didn't. How did you, how did you wade through? Like what, what did you use? What resources did you use? I like, wouldn't even know how to start to try to manage something like that. Well, I kept it a secret for a really long time. So I held that to myself. Mm. Um, I didn't understand how to, um, in his first episode, that I had to 302 him, I did not understand how to, what's the word, like navigate the hospital system. Right. Yeah. That in and of itself, it's, if someone could do something about that, that would change, that would have changed my life. And, and his, I'm sure. Because it is so difficult to talk to the person. It is so difficult to hear from anyone. Your psychiatrist outside of the hospital will not converse with the psychiatrist inside the hospital because that's like different terrain or whatever. Like I don't need not terrain, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's like you can request the records and send them or whatever, but they're not going to communicate with each other because now he's his patient instead of his patient. It's just, right. so I had no good experiences with all of the myriad of hospital stays in different hospitals. Um, 
how did I do it? It was so hard. Um, it was really, it was really fucking hard because I spent a lot of time like crying in my classroom while my kids were at special. Mm-hmm. Um, I spent a lot of time just faking everything. Yeah. And praying that, you know, he woke up to get Lily to like school or whatever. Right. And calling incessantly, like on my breaks, like trying to find out, like, you know, to figure out daily life of food and dinners and things like that. When we're in an episode, I don't, it was hard. It was impossible. I definitely dropped the ball a million times and I didn't tell anyone. And when I did tell people, it went poorly because immediately they're like, why are you not just leaving him? Mm. I'm like, that's that's not not, what I'm coming to you for. I'm just not. So if you can't support us right, and know that I'm not leaving him, then you can't help. Um, so, you know, I, I cried a lot. Yeah. I cried a lot when I would find yeah. out like that he had an episode and took $10,000 and went to the casino. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, but who was I going to tell? Yeah. I wasn't going to tell anyone because then they would tell me to leave him and I wasn't leaving him. Right. I loved him so much. I was not leaving him. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, I, I say people, people love the widow, but they really don't love you in the midst of like ugly. If you aren't correct, I don't, you know, like it's that's just, it's so true. So they, and this is no offense to anyone, but the people that sh- showed up at his celebration of life in the back of my head, I was like, where the fuck were you? Where have you been? Yeah. Where have you been? He needed friends so bad mm-hmm. and I needed his friends to understand why he couldn't do certain things and right. not be like the bitchy naggy wife. Right. Because if he doesn't sleep, we've got three weeks of mania mm-hmm. that you're not dealing with. I am right. And I was so disheartened that people didn't stand with us in, um, his illness. Cause it was, it was scary. I know. Right. I think, and I don't know for sure, but I think what I've kind of come to the conclusion is, is that people have no idea what to do or what to say. So instead of asking, they just, they feel uncomfortable So they take themselves out of that equation. And so I think people just need to like, they're, we're all so different and we're all struggling with so many things. And, you know, there are people that can relate to you. There are people that can relate to you because of different struggles Mm -hmm. that they've had. Like if we just opened up to each other and listened and said, like, I'm here, then that would be such a different story in the world of mental health because we've been saying this since the beginning in my mental health and his mental health in that world in your mental health it's so lonely it is it is incredibly lonely and i wrote a whole piece on it like just all i wanted you to do was bring me a casserole not when he died 
Yeah. When he was in the hospital. Right. Right. Or when, you know, we were in a depressive state of Jenny didn't get out of bed for two weeks. Mm-hmm. Like I just needed someone to say, Hey, like I, I see this or be like, I'm here to get the kids. Yeah. Like that would have been everything to yeah. me because what I didn't need you to do is to tell me to leave. Like, Listen, I understand abuse. I worked in a um, women's shelter. I get it. I know this. I know how it all works. I get that. Um, there's just this whole weird part about mental illness that makes it so that it's hard. Because I, he's not himself in those times. I almost, and I used to say, I wish he was just an abusive husband because I would have left his ass like a million years ago. Yeah. But it wasn't him. And, you yeah. know, it it was something, you know, it wasn't I can like, completely understand what you're saying. Like it doesn't. It doesn't sound weird to me at all that you wouldn't. Leave yeah. Him. And, and people would be like, you're so educated and you're this and you're that. And like, you know, or they would say to me, like, what do you mean? Like you have, again, your lipstick and your nails and you're this and you're always dressed to the nines. Like, I'm like, I'm a fucking disaster. Like yeah. I'm falling apart. Like, but everyone just wanted me to leave. And that was everyone's answer to everything. And I'm yeah. just, it didn't help. Right. And you know, it probably, it was probably like, like hurting so badly every time somebody would say that because you're, you're like, you don't understand like this man, I love Mm -hmm. him so much and I loved him so hard before any of this happened. Mm -hmm. And then once we figured it out, I loved him even harder because I wanted to, you know, help him to live a happy life. And yeah, my God, I just, so throughout our marriage, I had much more suicidal ideation than he did. And he had to talk me down and he would get so angry because he would just say, you cannot leave me. And like, or we, I had Lily at that time or whoever, like, no, like, this is not the right way to think about this. You know, blah, blah, blah. He was just, he was able to talk me down so many times and we discussed the 20% one of the first things we found out was that, and he said, you know, I'm never going to do that. Like I'm never, you don't have to worry about that. That's never happening. Yeah. And jokingly, I was like, yeah, you're like way too arrogant to let it win. Like, (laughs) you know, he was the one that like always thought that he could break all the rules and still come up winning. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That was my man. And so he, I was, he's like, I'm just not going to ever. And so I never really worried about it at all. I always worried the other direction that he would like do something grandiose that would just be like, I don't even know, like whatever out there. Yeah. Very expensive. Or, yeah. Right. <laughs> um, so I didn't see it coming. Yeah. I really didn't. Um, the only possible thing was that he had done two weeks of not talking to us. Mm, and that's not usual. No. Mm-mm. So that was the only thing that was, but I couldn't get a hold of him, you know, mm-hmm. any way, shape, or form. So I, it wasn't like, in fact, he was in a different state that I, I didn't even know he was there. I still don't really know why he went there. And that's a whole story in and of itself. My friend Jesse and I went and tried to be like, I don't know, detectives. detectives. Mm-hmm. And figure the case out mm-hmm. and it was just unfigurable because with a fractured mind you just can't you can't figure that out and then I felt so stupid asking after I said the question 
to the medium because it was almost like Scott had said, like I heard Scott say to me, like you already know. Mm. And, um, he had tried one other time. I don't talk about that very much. No, I, I got a call that. from the hospital, um, in Maryland. He was, um, there for, he was trying to earn some money. So he was doing suicide work and he was with the workers like at a hotel or something. And, um, probably the wrong people to be hanging out with. They were like some rough construction guys. Yeah. So they were doing a lot of drugs and like yeah. whatever he couldn't sleep. So he like took a bunch of, and when I say a bunch, I mean an, probably an entire bottle of Xanax because he was like, Amy, I just could not sleep. I've been trying for days to sleep. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't sleep. I just wanted to sleep. All I wanted to do was sleep. So he took them and then he laid down and he's like, I realized what I did. And he called 911 and oh, they came and they pumped God. his stomach. And so anyway, she called me at four in the morning, the nurse. And that was so scary because we weren't really like together then, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's just, so I didn't take it that seriously though. I was like, he's like, I promise, I promise I was, I was just, just trying, trying to sleep. sleep. Yeah. I promise you, like I was just trying to quiet it. It's mm-hmm. so loud, Amy. He's like, mm-hmm. it's so loud. And so, um, he said that, you know, and I, and I still imagine that that's probably what occurred, um, in his actual death. Like, I still don't think he actually meant to die. Like, I think mm-hmm. he wanted it to be quiet. <sighs> You know, and it's heartbreaking. It is. It is. And so for, so one of my big things in life is to how can I support people? How can we better support people Mm -hmm. specifically with uh, someone in their lives who's bipolar or even, I mean, anxiety and depression can be just as scary. Right. So anything like that, it's really hard to, um, be the caretaker. Mm Mm-hmm. And I couldn't even describe to you in words how hard it is, especially when you're in love with the person. It's just, it's weird. It yeah. fucks with the relationship. Cause now you're like having to like parent them as well yeah. as like be in love with them and also parent together other people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, um, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's one of those things that I never, ever, ever thought would happen, but when it did, I wasn't surprised. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, Scott, one thing like that's so important for me to tell the world is that Scott worked his ass off to be better. Yes. I know that to go to all of his appointments. He did outpatient treatment programs. He was there every day. He did inpatient treatment programs. He took his meds. He visited his psychiatrist once a week, his counselor once a week. Like he did all everything he would like read about it and try to do the work. And so it, it was not that it was, um, it just won. Yeah. It just was so severe that it just won. And, um, as fiercely as he loved me, he loved his kids even more. So anything he could have done to be with them, he would have done. So I, again, um, some other things I wanted to say that I think is really important is that it's really offensive to, um, say some things that, you know, it's one of those things where you know, better, do better. Yeah. So I could kill myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could blow my brains out. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to take the roof. I'm going to jump. Mm-hmm. Like when someone says that my whole stomach, just like 
it's really bad and you don't want to be the person who's always correcting people. But I'm just going to say publicly, like, don't say that. Yeah. Um, also like that they killed themselves. Like that's not proper, um, way of saying it. You want Mm -hmm. to say that they died by suicide because Mm -hmm. it's like dying from cancer. Correct. And I think that I learned that as I was grieving and finding support people and reading books. So I was like, Oh yes, that's how it should be. Died by suicide. Like their illness one. Yeah. Or died by bipolar like that. Right. That's how he didn't kill himself. Yeah. And then the last thing I think that we need to really try not to do is say, Oh, you're so bipolar. Yeah. It really bothers me. Yeah. To use it as to like, use a- it as like, Oh, you're bitchy. And then you're not. Mm hmm because that's not at all what the disease is and it's so much more complex and it's so much more serious. I don't think people realize that nobody realizes it. And I will tell you, I'm going to be real honest that I slipped the other day and I was like, I could just kill myself. And I was like, you hate when people say that. Why would you say that? But it's a thing that we're ingrained in our heads to say. Mm -hmm. So we just have to keep like stopping ourselves even mid sentence and be like, I didn't mean that. Yeah. This just fucking sucks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I gotta say, like, I didn't even know or understand bipolar. Uh, sorry, my lips like stuck together. <laughs> I didn't understand bipolar until I met Scott and you. Yeah. And once I met you guys and you were like explaining things to me and telling me experiences, like I had absolutely no idea. I didn't know that the illness was that severe. I thought it was something Like you could say to somebody, like you're so bipolar, like that they actually, that that was what, how it presented itself. Right. Right. You know, like irritability on Mm -hmm. a lot and then Mm -hmm. super happy on like, yeah, no clue the extent of, of the illness itself. And I'll tell you another thing that helped me understand really well, and you can watch it and tell me what you think, but there's a show called modern love on Netflix. Oh Yeah. And there's an episode yeah. with, um, Anne Hathaway yeah. and it's, it's pretty, it's pretty spot on. It is. Okay. I mean, watching that, I was like, okay. All and right. I will also tell you that if you ever want to really like the best cinema, best thing that I've ever seen done is an episode of Ozark. Okay. So it's an episode later on with the brother of the the wife. I don't remember her name, but he's in the car. He's in a cab. Like if you watch Ozark, you know, this scene he's driving, he's in this cab and the way he starts talking to himself back and forth and this and that. And I just, it was like, I saw Scott, it was so spot on. And I read about him. He doesn't have bipolar disorder. He just studied it and he read about it and just like tried. And he, it was probably one of the best representations. So the movie with Bradley Cooper, um, silver linings playbook is pretty good as well. I, um, Scott would never watch it because it's so hard for him to see someone in a manic state because it, it just, and I, I would agree if it was, I would not want to see it either, but it was such a good representation as well of someone with, um, bipolar disorder. So I think that there's a couple good, uh, understandings of it out in Hollywood or, you know, movies Mm -hmm. or TV. But the one that, like I said, the one that I think is the best, and I like wrote a whole piece about it was the one in Ozark, that scene just, I was like, holy fuck. And there was a part where, um, so 
one of the big things that anyone with bipolar disorder and probably other mental illnesses will say is like, I don't, I just can't go back to the hospital. Like that's the worst possible thing that could happen to me. Mm -hmm. And so he would tell me that all the time. And in Ozark, he also tells his sister that like, it just, that that's the thing that you can't do no matter what. Um, and did he, was he able to explain why or articulate that or yeah. Um, because you, so you feel like you're in prison and this is another thing that I really hope to help reform is that you can't go outside. You don't really see sunlight. Uh, Like you, it's very confining. They're only there to keep you alive. Yep. It's not to actually do a med check and correct your meds. So they made him always sedated and he was all doped up and confused. Um, they, they dehumanize you by taking away certain parts of your clothing or like the way they treat you. It's very dehumanizing. When I would visit, I'd be like, Oh my God, these people are being treated like animals. Yeah. And I, I like you can't have toothpaste. You can't have shampoo. Nothing. You can't have soap. You can't have, you can't No, It's the way they talk to them. It's mm-hmm. like, if I hadn't brought everything I brought, he would have had nothing. They gave him nothing. Yeah. Like, I don't even understand that. And then when your time is over and for Scott, it was usually like, because he was such a pain in the ass, like he would figure out the law and the legal reasons for them. To be oh like, okay. my yeah, gosh. Um, he's so smart. He was so smart is that there's nowhere for you to go. Yeah. Like what, then, then what? There's nowhere for you to go and I'll never forget a social worker. And I don't really like judge her for this, but I'll never forget what she said to me. I said, listen, he can't come home right now. He's still not stable. I said, you have to help me find him like a place to go or like, I don't know what, what is, what is there around? And she said, two things to me. She said, well, here's a sheet of paper. And I fuck you not. This sheet of paper was like typed like in the eighties, like on a typewriter so every number that I called was like out of service. Oh mm-hmm. my God. And two, she said, that's above my pay grade. I'll just let him go outside. I was like, so you're going to release him to just sit out in front of the hospital. I'm, She's like, we need the bed. Wow. Multiple times I would send him to Western psych when we were living in the city and I'd say, you've got to go, you've got to go get a med check. You've got to go. And mostly I just needed him. I needed space. Like I mm-hmm. could, I couldn't deal with it anymore, especially after I had Lily and Avery. And well, this was just Lily and he would come back and I'd be like, what? And he was like, there's no beds. And he would go back. No beds. Okay. Well, then he was like, we figured out the game and we're like, Oh, you got to say you're going to kill yourself. Mm. So you're either going to harm yourself or harm somebody else. And so he was like trying to figure out like how to get a bed. And they asked him if he ever thought about harming Avery when he watched him. Mm. And he was like, um, well, one time he made something up. Listen, CYS was at our fucking house for the next six months. I was like, so for us to get a bed, now I have to have a 22 year old social worker come in and like, look at the food in my fridge. I was like, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Like I was just so annoyed by it. Cause I was like, I'm trying to like work the system so that these things don't happen. But at the same time, then we're in trouble for these things. And then yeah, this and then right, that. And right. it was just like this very, nobody seemed to like want to actually help. It was these weird band-aids. Mm-hmm. And even though like when I said to her, I was like, listen, this is what I do. Like I'm a mandated reporter. Like I, the 
everything is fine or whatever. She's like, yeah, she's like, I know that. She's like, but I'm just going to like, you know, pretend and do all come and visit. And I was like, oh my God. So it's all just these weird band-aid type fixes that never actually solve a long-term problem because there's no, there's nothing to solve it long-term. And I think that that's like an interesting point too, because it, I think that this illness is, has not been fully uncovered and fully examined and, you know, to, to actually treat properly. It was how it wasn't that long ago that they actually called it bipolar because it was manic depressive disorder before that. Yes. And I feel like that was. It wasn't that long ago. I think I was in college yeah, when they it was changed it. manic or when it was still manic depressive. So it's not been that long. So I think that the, the scope of this and yeah. illness and the scope of treatment is still just out, like outside of what anybody knows right now. And it's so different in each person. Like you can say bipolar one, bipolar two, but like totally different in each, each individual. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I only see Scott when I read like memoirs, um, the educated, I think that book, Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure the dad was bipolar. Yeah. Um, the glass castle, I pretty much could say both those parents might've been a little bipolar or have psych or schizophrenia or something. So, and then the movies and things like that. So there are always these very big cases where like, it's not, you know, it's just, they're unstudyable too, because they're not very cooperative people. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Because they're either extremely depressed and they can't get out of bed or they are Jesus and Mm. they don't need you. Right. Yeah. So were there any in between times? Oh yeah. We lived, we lived in between for many years. Um, he wasn't diagnosed until later, right? Yeah, he wasn't diagnosed until we were in Pittsburgh. So that was, it was almost eight, seven or eight years into um, our marriage. When did you start to see, and this is all like, you can tell me mm-hmm. if it's too much or whatever, but when did you start to notice like something's not right? I thought our marriage was jacked. I thought it was my fault. Like I thought that, that there was just something wrong with us that we argued so much. And I thought that, I don't know. I just, I never thought like, I didn't even know what it was really. Mm-hmm. And I was the one who had been diagnosed with anxiety and depression. So I was the one who was medicated and seeing therapists and strengths. And so never did I think about him. Um, so it wasn't until his first big episode which was, uh, we were in Pittsburgh. We moved back from Colorado and he, um, had started a new job and that's always a big trigger because he has a new audience. Ah, I see. Mm-hmm. And this new audience just fucking ate him up. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. and so he was just like, and then he feeds off of it and then he gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And then it just, it went full blown. Um, to the point where we split up for a couple months, I think four months because of, you know, infidelity and because of, he just really did not want to be with me because he felt like other people needed him. I see. I do believe that in one of our counseling sessions, he did come out to say that he was Jesus. No, it wasn't that he was Jesus. It was that Jesus specifically told him. 
to save the world. <laughs> and I only giggle because, you know, here's why I laugh, Scott, and I laughed about it after. Okay. Yeah. So, so we made light of all of this shit after when he came back to me, he came back to Scott. We'd be like, Oh my God, can you believe that when we were sitting in that yeah. dirty ass office, you said that, um, you, Jesus sent you and he was like, I don't, don't, I can't, I can't even like, please let's not talk. Yeah. Let's pretend like that didn't happen. Like it's, it, I, oh my God, like as you're telling me these things, like it's almost, you know, with anxiety, you relive parts of your life where you're, you're like, think about something you did in like sixth grade mm-hmm. and you're like, Oh my God. I farted in class. Do you remember that? <laughs> oh, I wonder if people still think about that. I wonder if, you know what I mean? It's yeah. like your most embarrassing things that happen. Like, yeah. and you think about them years later, this is like that times a million. It like is. you're saying something that's just not you at all. It's like, if you get wasted mm-hmm. and you say something at a party and then the next day, everybody's like, ha, 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 yeah. you said this, but it's, it's like, that's forever. It is. And that's such a hard thing. That was hard for him to live with. He felt so guilty. Um, I always said that Scott, uh, he said this, I'm sorry, I didn't say it, but he would say to me that he wished he could kick the shit out of bipolar Scott or manic Scott mm. for the way he treated me. Like Scott was so protective of me. Like he, he got himself into a lot of trouble because he was so protective of me. Like yeah. so protective. Like when I say like he would have gone after anyone mm-hmm. who made a move to do anything to harm me or say shit about me or whatever. So, you know, when he would be abusive and not himself and then find out about it later, he would be bro- and then that would lead to more depression. Yeah. Because he would be broken that he hurt the love of his life. Right. Right. And he would kill him. He would just, it was so hard for him to, um, to, to imagine that he did that. Right. I know. And so, yeah, I mean, there were definitely a lot of in-between times though. It's just that those things don't always stick out. If I'm specifically talking about the illness. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but we had, a lot of, a lot of excellent times together, really, really beautiful moments. And, um, you know, that's the interesting part about writing the book is like, I want to tell the love story yeah, along with the reality of the illness and what Mm -hmm. that did to both of us and the harm it did. So, you know, it's, it's an incomplete story because you're only getting my side. Yeah. But I do know enough of what Scott and I talked about after yeah. Big episodes to know how he felt about well, he it. He wrote some things too. Mm-hmm. He did. He might've been a little hypomanic in those, in his last, mm-hmm. in his time out in um, Santa Fe. My grandfather said to me, um, he was very close with Scott. And he said to me when I told him that we were splitting up, I understand why you need to do that. He said, Um, but you need to also understand that he's not going to be okay without you. You, you ground him. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I knew that. Right. And I had to still make that choice. Well, it's, it's like deciding to not ruin, but to make two lives more difficult or one life more difficult. And 
the quality of your life and your kids' lives. And, and it wasn't my life. And people hate when I say this. Had it been just gotten, I would have stayed forever. I would have done whatever needed to be done. I would have gone mm-hmm. to the ends of the earth to, to make it. It was the kids. Yeah. And because I knew how much he loved him in his right mind, yeah. I knew that that's what he needed me to do, even though it was so painful because he didn't see it like that when he wasn't. He just thought I was yeah. being evil. Right. Um, so I had to make that call. And that was a last, last ditch effort. I mean, that was not like, that's after 17 years of it, you know? So I had, I had to do that. And also on top of that, he was pushing away too. And he used to do that a lot when he knew that he was going to hurt us bad, Mm. but he pushed away with mean words. And he pushed away with saying that I was like, ruining his life by holding him back and all of these things. And I saw right through it, but I was just like, okay, then go. Yeah. And then he went and, um, he ended up of course making like a lot of really great friends. (laughs) A lot of those people that he worked with in Santa Fe at the bar, uh, reached out to me and, I was like, how long did you even know him? And they were like four weeks or something. And they're like, it was like, they were best friends, you know, but that's just, that's That's just God. Yeah. Yeah. So he'll make anyone feel like they're like the bell of the ball. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, I don't even really understand what part of the story I wanted to tell, but that's what came out. It was perfect because it just gives the reality. Yeah. It's not pretty. Right. It's not pretty. And I feel guilty sometimes. And I tell Mike, I said, I feel really guilty because I'm just, it, I live a very peaceful yeah, life. Right. And the fact that I found the same kind of love that Scott and I had again is just, I don't know. I just don't feel like you get that, you know? And, and I just feel, I don't think that, that Scott would want me to feel guilty, obviously. No. But, you know, it makes me sad that I couldn't have that with him. Yeah. And, uh, Lily said to Mike yesterday, actually, um, you are the version of dad of who dad wanted to be if he wasn't sick. Uh, and she said, I really think that like dad had a part in him coming to us, but they are very similar and it's very, it's very like surreal how many things they do. Their quirkiness mm-hmm. um, is similar and Lily's picking up on it more and more the more time she spends with Mike. And she's just like, this is so weird, mom. Yeah. And and then like, she was telling me that whole thing. And then she like looked at the, she's like, look. And then at the stove, there was angel numbers. And she was like, this is just crazy. (laughs) But yeah. What numbers were they? Oh gosh. I feel like it was four, 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 but I don't know. I can't remember. She, um, isn't four, four, four. Like you're on the right track. yeah. 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 So I, but again, I guess we could like take this full circle. I say all of these things now and I'm, and I have a heavy heart, but once, I don't know, like when I talk to Mary and then I talk to Scott, like it doesn't feel like that. Like this is all so small. Do you know what I mean? Like when you speak to them on the other side, yes, it's, it just puts it all in perspective and you're just like, okay, I'm just, I'm going to do the best I can with what I got now and I'm going to enjoy what I have. Yeah. And know that the journey was what it was supposed to be. Yeah. There's something very freeing about that. Very freeing Mm -hmm. to know that 
well, that's another thing I think that people live with who are suicide survivors is what could I have done? And I replayed it. I mean, I stayed up every night for a solid, like six months going through voicemails and letters and trying to like, like, um, analyze, like, you know, how they used to like psychoanalyze the tweets of, of Trump. <laughs> Like I would do that with Scott's things. I'd be like, did he mean oh, da, da, yeah. da, 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 da. and like, I would just like, and then I would like put it all in a timeline and then I would try to like, and then I would go into his search history on his phone and I would be like, could I have known that, you know, this was coming if I had looked at this and all of these things and suicide survivors have, have a really hard go of it because even once you forgive yourself, you still think about those sorts of things like, oh, like, but Honestly, in my opinion, I don't think that you can stop the, I think it's inevitable in certain situations. Yeah. You and I have talked about that personally, not on here, but it's yeah. Like that, that I think you could stop time a little bit. Yes. But if there, if it's in a circumstance like that, where it's an, an illness that is really intense and there's no really, there's no treatment. And there's no end in sight. And there's no end in sight that, you know, coming from that, you and I have both have, have had suicidal ideations, like coming from those to say that you are in a place where it's like, you genuinely believe that the world would be better off without you. It's not that you're thinking like, I don't know, like what people think they are, you they're know. not thinking like, Oh, I'm leaving this and I'm leaving this. No, that none of that is in none of that's in your, in mind. your mind at the time. And I think, you know, for Scott, especially it was, I, I agree like that he was just wanted it to be quiet. I think he, just, he was just so tired. Yeah. I kept getting that. And then she said it too, but I kept getting that. Like he was so fucking tired. Yeah. He was so tired of fighting. It was a battle. Mm-hmm. It was a battle every single day. And all of us who struggle with mental illness, I know I can relate to that every morning. It's a fucking battle. It's yeah. But I have ease and I have release and I have relief at way more than he ever had for sure. Yeah. And it's in those moments when I can like see clearly mm-hmm. and my, you know, it's just, his was extended his, his time of not being clear, his time of confusion, his time of, Oh God, just the voices in your head. Like think about when you have your high anxiety, you're having it like the voices in your head are just so fucking loud. Yeah. And yeah, not like psychosis, but like, no, what like, you're telling yourself your thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so for I, him, just wanted, I just wanted, I just wanted, no, I wasn't yeah. having a psychosis situation. No. I was, I'm my own worst enemy. Cause it's like, and then you tell yourself things that are not true. And you just start talking to and you're so loud yourself in your brain. And I know his was also a form of psychosis. So his was even worse because it was other sorts of people telling. And I, and I felt like, you know, whole nother discussion, but my best friend from high school, Heidi had a dream three nights after he passed. Yeah. And she talks about that in the dream. He told her that there was three people in there fighting. Mm. And, um, it was like, she saw like a ring of like, uh, an arena Mm -hmm. and where the last fight came and like, he still declared victory even though he had died. So I'm not sure if the victory was in the death or whatever, but there's, that's a whole nother beautiful story that I can't wait to tell someday. Um, I just haven't found the right moment, but 
um, he, so he described it as three people. Yeah. And so, you know, and again, this is my story. This is my side of it. It's not his side of it. It's also not every single person who has bipolar story. Right. Our stories are all different. It's just that I think that we could all be a little bit more compassionate and um, helpful to the people around us who are dealing with that. And also, you know, they always say like, you don't know what someone's fighting or it's so true. It's so true. You don't know because you saw me as this like chipper, like Mm -hmm. elementary school teacher in the perfect outfit and shoes and, and had no idea. And you had no idea that I had no idea until you told me that that morning I had just had a knockdown drag out, you know, with my husband cried the whole way to work. Didn't know how my daughter was going to get to school. Didn't want to be late. That was my life. Yeah. So you have no idea. Like be fucking nicer. Seriously, knowing your story and knowing my story and other people's stories is making me a kinder person. Mm -hmm. And I don't have as much road rage anymore. Right. (laughs) Things like that. Just even in simple situations, because you just don't know. No, you don't. Somebody could be fighting a silent fight Mm -hmm. and really hurting and... Yeah, just need to be more right. And so, even though that seems so like it seems so trite, like we say it all the time, it's so true. Though Mm -hmm. you really need to think about the fact that somebody else has some shit going on behind closed doors. And at that point in time in my life, I wasn't open because I was so scared. I was just like I basically was duct taping. Yeah my life together just for another day. Mm-hmm. Like, or let's just get through. So until I have my, my, my guy back, like, let's just get through. Yeah. And then what would happen is I would get him back and I would crash hard. Yeah. I would go I into bet. a major depression and I couldn't get out of bed and he would just be able to handle everything. Um, and we always said, God, it would be horrible if we both had like together at the same time. At the same yeah. time. We never did though, thankfully. Well, think about it though, too. You're an empath. So you're like taking mm-hmm. on all of that. So when he comes back to himself, yeah. you're allowed to like release that. Yep. And you crash. You crash. You do. You just crash hard. So I'm sure that some of that was depression, but I'm sure some of it was just exhaustion, like pure mental, physical exhaustion. Because I was in this fight or flight and I was fighting every minute of every day. I probably fought in my sleep Mm -hmm. because I didn't know where he was. And then I was this and probably didn't sleep very much. And so, and trying to keep it a secret from everyone is exhausting as well. Like that was really hard to not tell people. And so, yeah, I mean, just be nice to people, be kinder, and please just watch your words. Mm-hmm. It really hurts my heart when people around me say they want to take the bridge or jump off a building. I'm like, yeah, I like seriously have a physical reaction and I just want to like throw up and I know they mean nothing by it. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my God, that email just made me want to take the bridge. I'm like, did it, did it though? Did it really? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah. so, you know, just, just try to, once you know better, do better. Yeah. Um, and we'll just have some compassion for people. And so, yeah, so the day that this releases, it'll be two years. And, um, since, so the, when you're listening to it, if you're listening to it on Thursday, since Scott passed, um, feels a lot longer and a lot shorter. Yeah. However that works. I know it's bizarre. It is bizarre, but you guys, life is so short, so fucking short. So yeah. do the thing, be the thing and just be kind. 
I think you guys should post a picture of yourselves and um, do a random act of kindness on Thursday on the day that you're listening to this and maybe take a picture of doing that random act of kindness tag us yeah you can hashtag Scott's story I like that yeah and then we can go and look through and see all the beautiful things that are being because done. That was the other thing about him. Yep. He was very giving. He would have him. he 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 gave his last dollar always mm-hmm. to everyone. And he would always listen to you tell your entire life story. Mm-hmm. And then he would and then give, try to help. And then he would give you really good advice yes. if he was actually listening. Yes. And he would watch your kids and he would pick them up and he would do anything he could do, he would do. Right. Um, so yeah, I think that's a great idea. That would be a wonderful way to honor him. Yes. So tag us at unqualified therapists, hashtag Scott story, do a random act of kindness today. And I hope he's here too. Like with your dad. Yeah. He's, he's, he would be so fucking proud. Yeah. Like we're doing it. Yeah. Woo. So until the end to get teary. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for listening to our stories. Um, and as always, we want you to know you are not alone. Absolutely. We've got you, booze. <laughs> she says that every time. <laughs> All right. Take care. Are we alone?